Welcome to the CX Fanatics podcast, the show that helps DTC businesses increase revenue, referrals, and retention through exceptional customer experience. Tune in weekly for interviews, insights, and inspiration that will catapult not only your profits, but your growth. I'm your host, Elisa Connor. Let's get into the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about why wine clubs are going to save the wine industry. Now, you may be saying, I'm not in the wine industry, this episode's not for me, but before you turn off and tune out, um, a lot of what we're going to be talking to, to uh, talking about today uh, can also be applied to other direct-to-consumer businesses. So if you are a coach or consultant that sells services or you're a service-based business like a plumber or um, somebody that does heating and air conditioning or anybody in that arena, anybody that has like a direct service business, or if you're in a product-based business that you serve directly to consumers. So there's a lot of makers out there. If you're one of those people, then this will, this will also apply to you. So if you're not aware of the wine industry, and this is probably true for a lot of different industries, times have changed, specifically after COVID. And before COVID, a lot of the wine club sales, and still to this day, that's how they're operating, um, come from people coming to do a tour at the winery. Well, that was not available during COVID, so things had to shift. And that's when the big e-commerce boom started and you started to see more wine labels available online to purchase. Now, after doing some research about the wine industry, for those of you that are not in the know, um, every bottle of wine that is shipped has to go through a very stringent compliance um, regulation system based on prohibition laws that probably should be eliminated but they haven't because there's no money in eliminating those laws. And so the wineries are pretty much at their mercy. Mercy. Regardless, they started to do some e-commerce, which um, became their DTC funnel or uh, revenue stream. But a lot of wineries have since reverted to going back to wine tours as the number one way to promote their wine clubs. Or they might have a blip on their website that says, hey, sign up for our wine club. And um, a lot of times, none of that is automated. You have to call to get enrolled. Um, There's not a lot of options in the wine club. So these are all things we're going to talk about. And so why am I so adamant about wine clubs being the reason uh, that that the uh, wine, that, you know, how are they going to save the wine industry? Because the wine industry is struggling. People are not buying wine. Generations are changing. Most younger generations either cannot afford or don't want to buy Uh, more expensive wine. And so how can we um, adapt to that with wine clubs? And how can we meet people where they are and give them what they want uh, so that we can increase not only sales, but profits? So the first thing that we should probably take a look at, and this is probably true for all DDC businesses, is that Wine clubs and direct-to-consumer sales are much more profitable than going through a retail establishment. Now, I know um, the business model, especially in the wine industry, has been to most of the profit goes to get their product to distributors who then put it in front of people in a retail establishment. So there's a couple of problems with this philosophy, and I think this might be part of the reason that wineries are struggling is that they put so much faith into those distributors with to put their product in front of people. And one, they're now competing with thousands, if not tens of thousands of labels of wine. 
And so there's no customer loyalty. There's no reason for somebody to pick your wine. There's no way to really make yourself stand out. I don't, you know, regardless, unless you already have a brand name that people recognize and that they're going to search out. Um, And then the other reason is, is that people have not taken into consideration that the delivery of alcohol is not, uh, is not going to put people or eyeballs in front of your wine. And so now I know here in Colorado, and this may not be the case everywhere. So take it with a grain of salt. I know many um, states have done this, but recently, um, legalized selling alcohol in grocery stores. And so now you see it popping up and the mom and pop shops are all, um, upset obviously because that's taking away from their business but it comes down to you know it's there it's in front of their eyes and so they're grabbing it but what if what if you know a good majority of people never go to the grocery store and that seems to be more prevalent with uh post-covid and so i know for myself like i don't always order groceries to be delivered but if i were Um, working full-time outside of the house and, you know, raising kids and trying to get everything squeezed into my life, I would be ordering groceries every single week. Because for me, that is just two, three hours that I don't have to spend going shopping, checking out, putting it in my car, unloading it, loading it, all the different things. And so to save time, um, it's worthwhile to me to have, you know, food delivered or whatever it might be, whatever order, target, whatever. Um, And then the other thing is, is that even if you're not having stuff delivered, you can have them shop it and go pick it up. And so um, here in Colorado, we have, I think it's called uh, click and pay, or I don't know, it's something through King Supers, which is our local grocery store. And now Target has it, and I know Walmart has it, all these different places have it, where they will actually go and shop and then put your groceries in your car. Well, if that's the case, the only person seeing your wine label or your product is the person who might see it on the website or um, the person shopping your order. And so if you have a new label and you're trying to get it in front of people, it's almost impossible to get eyeballs on it. And so you have not only a saturated market that you're trying to compete against, but you also have um, the opportunity that people will not even be doing their own shopping. So they're not going to see your stuff. And so um, this makes it really an advantage to people that have wine clubs or a subscription model. And we'll get to that in just a minute. So the other piece of that um, is that the revenue generated from retail sales is significantly smaller than doing direct to consumer or wine club sales. So the, the number that was quoted to me, and this could be higher and it could be lower, is that it's usually about four bottles of wine have to be sold to get the same profit from one bottle sold directly to consumer or through a wine club. And that's four bottles in retail. So that four to one ratio is, that's very dramatic. You wouldn't have to do much to increase profit um, just by increasing, even if you doubled your wine club sales, you were going to make a significant amount of profit over your retail sales. So if you only have D to C um, or wine club sales, then stay tuned because I'm going to give you some tips on that as well, um, how to increase. Which leads me to point number two, which is with a wine club, you have the opportunity to get to know your clients and your customers and build relationships. If they're going to a retail establishment or even, you know, if you're outsourcing to say a restaurant or a bar, 
the likelihood that you're going to build a relationship with that person is much, much lower unless it's your establishment, which is why wine clubs have um, traditionally been sold through tours. People go to the winery and the vineyard, they take a tour, they fall in love, they love the wine, they love it more than they thought. And so they sign up for a wine club, but then they get home and the wine club keeps coming and they're like, why did we even get this? We don't even, we don't drink it that much. And it's not, you know, a little of the newness wears off um, because typically they're not reminded of that experience. And so the ability or the um, opportunity that we have to stay in front of them and build that relationship is there, but it isn't being done strategically and it isn't being done um, effectively. And so you have the opportunity in front of you, just as every other business does, to personalize those experiences, especially with the technology we have available, including but not limited to artificial intelligence. But even beside that, if you didn't wanna go learn AI, which I recommend everybody do because it is the future, but if, you know, even if you choose not to utilize that in your organization, start tracking information on your clients based on what they purchase, when they purchase, and any information you can gather. And then don't send generic emails, don't send generic text messages, send customized conversations and personalization, just as though they were standing in front of you to further that relationship along. And then the other, the flip side of this is that if you don't have, um, you're, you're looking for new customers and they can't come to the winery, think outside the box on how you could bring them into the fold. What's an opportunity you could create for people to have a virtual experience with your winery? And what does it look like? And how similar can you make it to the experience that they have when they come to the winery? Because people fall in love with a product when they are exposed to it and get to hear and feel and use all of their senses to have that experience. But so often, um, organizations, they skimp on that experience because they want the quick win, they want the quick sale. And we are moving into especially a generation of buyers who will not invest their dollars with organizations who want to skimp on relationship building. And so I can't stress enough like how important it is for you to customize those experiences and to think outside the box with how you can bring in new buyers and new generations of buyers and how you can meet them where they are. And a lot of times um, we are focused as business owners on featuring our product and what is in the product, specifically wine. Oh, this is a great red and it's a great vintage and the grapes were great this year but it doesn't really tell the buyer why they want, why they should buy it. Um, and the new generation of buyers, including millennials and Gen Z are very sophisticated buyers. And so they need you to not tell them the fee. They can go look up the features of your wine on your website. Typically what they want to know is what's in it for them. And so if you aren't answering that question, regardless of who the buyer is, um, you're going to have a really hard time making traction with wine clubs or anything else. And so I went and did research on wine clubs specifically for this episode and um, some other things that I have going on. And what I found is nearly every wine club page has a list of the three different clubs. They have like what you get, how many bottles or, you know, two or three options. And then you either have to call the winery or fill out a form. 
And more often than not, they don't have the option to go and actually just enroll and start paying. But more importantly, that one little piece of the website that's dedicated to the wine club doesn't give people the option to take a first step. And so there's usually not an option there to have an experience and then see if they even like the wine before they join the wine club. It's just, hey, join the wine club. They just have made the assumption that people are already drinking the wine. And that's the lost opportunity is that if you are making an assumption that everybody that comes to the wine club page is ready to purchase your wine, um, you have made an assumption that is costing you profits because people don't necessarily um, want to jump into a wine club, but that's a perfect opportunity for you to introduce them to the experience of what it is to do, to have and enjoy your personal label or your latest release or whatever it might be. But you're jumping that you're, you're jumping past that and just assuming everybody's ready to buy. And so if we focus our efforts on, um, offering them the opportunity to have an experience with you, specifically an experience that doesn't require them to travel or come to the winery, then you will naturally have opened the doorway to have a conversation about your wine club. Um, So it's realizing where the buyer is and then giving them the opportunity to make a choice or a small, give you a small yes that says, hey, this wine, um, tour this virtual wine tour experience you're offering actually sounds really cool. Could I do it with my eight friends and we could do it on a Friday night over Zoom? Well, those are questions that you can either have a a rep answer, you could have um, an FAQ section on your website, or you could have a chatbot if you're more sophisticated and you want to have somebody answering those questions. And then, you know, how do you make that um, process seamless, especially for the upcoming buyer generations? Because here's, here's a secret. Um, it's so not a secret, but here's what you need to know about millennials and specifically Gen Z. They don't like to talk on the phone. If you call them, they won't answer. If you text them, they might answer <laughs> if they know who you are or if you're a parent. Um, but they want to do things and have um, access to things being automated. They They want to have the opportunity to make the choices, to fill out forms, to whatever it is, um, be at their fingertips. And if you aren't meeting them there, you're losing them before you ever have the opportunity to turn them into a client. So when you have on your website, call us for your wine club, they're never going to call. They're never going to call you. And it is such a disservice to you to force them out of their comfort zone. And you can say, well, they should talk to people. It doesn't matter if you think they should or they shouldn't. We haven't had their experience. And their experience has been having one of these in their hand pretty much since the time they could walk or um, shortly thereafter. And their experience has been having relationships that only exist online because they were forced to during a pandemic. Um, they, it's just, they live in a different world than many of us and many people that are, um, you know, constants in the wine world have experienced. And so we have to meet them where they are. And so in order to meet them where they are, we have an opportunity to provide them an experience and a seamless automated experience is something that they not only want, but will require. 
So that's number two. Number three, um, the reason wine clubs will save the wine industry is that when you have a wine club and you have access to the product and how you sell the product at your fingertips and you're not relying on outside sources to um, make decisions or have to go through outside vendors or whatever to change um, up how you're doing things, you can do things much quicker and you can pivot much quicker. So if you're having, for example, you decide to set up a um, virtual experience for your wine club that includes your chef coming in and pairing food and um, they get to create a meal plus have the wine that goes with the meal and serve it with their friends. And we're not going to go through the details of how you could do that, but that's just an example. Well, you may decide um, that in the spring you want to offer one menu with a certain selection of wine. And then in the fall or the summer, you want to change up everything. You want to change up the menu. You want to change up the wine options. And so when you are going to retail and you're like, okay, so now we need to have this. And they were like, we don't have time for you. We have 10,000 other labels that we have to manage. And you'll be lucky if we get yours near the front of the store. Whereas if you are selling it directly, you can make those changes, you can get your team on it, you can, you know, you have the flexibility to pivot and change as you want or need. And so that puts the power back in your court. So not only are you increasing the profit, but you have the ability to pivot and change on a dime, which is really nice if you are running a campaign or you're running a promotion or you're running um, a, a a specific um, menu or experience for a time period and you're like, we need to change this up. You don't have to go through layers and layers of red tape to make it happen. And that ensures that, you know, if something's not going well or there's a hiccup, like for example, um, this is a totally random one, but you had um, quiche on your menu And the price of eggs went up to some ridiculous, like it just did, went up to $10 from $4 to $10. You're like, wait a minute, we can't do this menu. These eggs are insane. You have the ability to go, okay, we're going to change up the menu. (laughs) And this is what we're doing now. Instead of going through layers and layers of duct tape, you know, uh, red tape, whatever, duct tape, red tape, we'll go with whatever. Um, you have the ability to go, okay, we're going to change up the menu. Let's change it up on the website. Let's change it up, you know, in all the different places that it would need to be changed. Whereas if you had it and you were promoting it through an outside source, that's a a lot more work. And so um, that's the other reason that wine clubs and DTC sales will save the wine industry because it gives you the ability to to shift on a dime and change things up really quickly or change things more often Um, than you would be able to if you were in the retail space. So that's what I have for you this for 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 you this week. So let's just recap real quick. The three um, reasons why wine clubs and direct to consumer sales will not only save the wine industry, but will likely sell most or save most DTC businesses. And that is number one, they offer a much larger profit. Um, An example, I was going to give you a quick example. That's not wine industry because I, I told you to stay tuned. Um, one, what it's so, um, an example is I just started utilizing this um, bar shampoo and the company's called Kitsch, K-I-T-S-H. I do not have an affiliate with them. I just really like their product. Um, and there's a couple of reasons that I like it. One, you don't have to have the shampoo bottles and I'm really trying to be um, as, um, 
earth friendly as I can. That's not the word I was looking for, but I'm trying to um, be as eco-friendly as I can. Um, the other thing is, is that it, um, it lasts a really long time and it's, uh, it, well, not only does it clean well, but it also like doesn't irritate my scalp. Like a lot of the other shampoos were super drying and like, um, not to get too in depth about like why you should go buy this product. But so here's the thing, like I purchased directly from the company and they have the option for, you know, you can try it one time, which I did. And then they have a subscription that you get a slight discount. Um, and I don't know if you get free shipping, but they always have like something that you can, if, if you, you know, buy enough shampoo, you get free shipping or something like that. Well, the same product is offered on Amazon and it's, and it's offered at, um, I think a comparable price. It might be a little higher, but you know, then you get prime delivery. Well, I like Amazon as much as anybody else, but I've really started to stop and think about why I'm purchasing and how I'm purchasing. And it's putting me in the mindset of how the younger generation makes buying decisions, which is sort of why it's made me stop in my tracks. And I was like, sure, I could pay Amazon for this shampoo, but that actually means that the company that produces this is getting about 40 to 50% of the profit or less. Um, and I was like, I just didn't like that. I didn't feel good about that. And so if I were this shampoo company, for example, um, something that I would try to do in my sales process and in my marketing process to make it a no brainer. Yes. Like I'm just going to purchase from you is add into the subscription model, something that is like, Oh, if you're a, if you're in the subscription model, you automatically get free shipping and you get a, you know, whatever discount. So I think it's like $14 a bar if you don't and like 12 something a bar. So make it, make it easy for me to not go to Amazon. And right now it's like this sort of, uh, it's, it's a moral dilemma versus a, um, economic or buying decision dilemma. And so most people aren't going to go through the moral dilemma. They're not going to be like, Oh, I really want the company to have more money than Amazon, or I really don't want to support Amazon with any more purchasing. Most people aren't going to do that. They're going to be like, no, I want it on my doorstep this afternoon at five o'clock. And so how can you adapt your subscription model to make it easy for people to go no brainer? Yes. Just put me on subscribe, free shipping. I get a free uh, bar of shampoo, every other order or whatever it might be. I don't know. I'm not in the shampoo business. So, um, but that's something that you could think about not only for, you know, product-based businesses, but service-based businesses and definitely the wine industry is like, okay, how are you rewarding people that are in your subscription model other than you just get six bottles of wine? Um, and that I think is really going to be prevalent. And also, um, even though the moral dilemma doesn't affect the older generation, so Gen X and older, um, as much as it does younger generations, for sure, Gen Z, it is a priority. And so addressing it now is only going to save you time and headache later. Um, because that's something that is very, very important to them when they purchase, they want their dollars to be powerful and mean something. Um, so back to the recap, got a little distracted, but I thought that was important to throw in. Um, so number one reason is higher profit, whether, um, you, regardless of business, you're going to have higher profit when people buy directly from you. So make it easy for them to do that. 
Um, it benefits you, it benefits them, and it benefits um, everyone as a whole. Uh, second, it gives you an opportunity to personalize that experience. So if we're looking at that from the perspective of the shampoo company, um, how they could personalize it is say, you know, send me a little note, hey, um, send us a photo of how your hair has changed in the last two months since you've been using our product, you know, or, or, you know, have you had a positive experience, whatever, like put a call out that is, you know, everybody that purchased this shampoo gets the same email that says, Hey, we're hearing raving reviews about the blah, blah, blah shampoo. And, um, have you had this experience and have them check a box? And if they have, then you can send back and say, Hey, would you be willing to share a photo of your before and after hair or tell us, you know, tell a little story. And that not only, um, personalizes your interaction with them, but it also empowers you to gather testimonials and client reviews without asking for a client review. Um, so, um, those personalized experiences are going to become more and more important. And the more information you can gather and the more personal you can make them, the better off you're going to be. Um, and I'm telling you right now, if rubber stamp company, I do card making. So if card making um, supply companies, stamping companies can do it, there's no reason you can't. Because those are some of the um, lowest budget operations <laughs> in the country. Um, and they manage to do it. So... And then last but not least, it makes it a lot easier for you to pivot and change directions and shake things up a little bit. So you can do testing and see what's working, what's not working, and then make um, changes as you need to. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share it with a friend um, or a coworker or whoever uh, would benefit from the information you gathered. And I would also love it if you would hit subscribe, whether you're on YouTube or your favorite podcast app hit subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes because there are some good ones coming. Uh, Sneak peek. And um, you won't want to miss those episodes. So thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate you being here and I look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. Did you miss something in the show today? Didn't have time to take notes listening on the go? No worry. I've taken notes for you. You can head on over to dtcgrowthclub.com forward slash podcast and there'll be links and a description to today's episode. In the meantime, take care, stay well, and I'll see you soon.